0: This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka, only
1: on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Happy Saturday, friends. Good morning. Welcome to the weekend on the Blaze Radio Network. Let's take attendance. Raise your hand if you're here. Yes, I see you over there. I see you. you guys in California just coming home from a night of partying. Good for you and shame on you at the same time. I'm, I'm envious, I'm jealous, and I'm also wondering when you're going to sleep. But welcome to the weekend on the Blaze Radio Network. The world is awake. Yeah. The world is pretty much awake. I'm following all the, all the stuff going on with the president's big trip. Huge trip. It might be the best presidential trip ever. The president landed in Riyadh was welcomed by the Saudi king. I want you to take note of that. The president, the guy the media railed against, just, just landed in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and they had a red carpet for him. And the 81-year-old king, the king was there. He used a cane and came out, and he shook the president's hand. There was no bowing. Write that down. There was no bowing like a previous guy might have done. Oh, oh, yeah. And when Obama showed up in Saudi Arabia, the king wasn't there. I think he sent, like, the deputy assistant to the assistant of the guy who was in charge of laundry. So President Trump gets really a royal welcome. There are billboards all over the place in Riyadh, together we prevail with Trump and the king scene. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive, and now the meetings are getting ready to happen. There'll be a big state dinner tonight. A few other things to notice. By the way, uh, we're up and rolling. The phones are up, 888 eight eight nine zero zero three three nine three. If you want to weigh in on anything today, I have a... Veritable buffet of good bad ugly and stupid to share with you And I have some questions to ask, but the president as I said is there. He's tweeting this morning It's not morning where President Trump is right now as a matter of fact, it's it's after 12 in the afternoon It's it's in the afternoon, and uh, he took a little bit of a break to take a, a nap. You know, he did fly halfway around the world and now um, he's going to have some meetings, bilateral talks they are called, where the president will sit down with the Saudi royal family, the ruling family, and uh, discuss whatever deals they've got. Because we already know there's a $109 billion sale of um, of some military equipment that should be Helping American business, shouldn't it? $109 billion of industry added to our GDP. And we'll find out uh, what's going on. There'll be another speech tomorrow to some, some other uh, Saudis. And I think some other leaders from the Arab world will be attending. But this is, this is the first leg of this trip. The president does not get to Israel until Monday. So today and tomorrow, pretty much Middle East. And as the president said, great to be in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, looking forward to the afternoon and the evening ahead. And he's got his own hashtag, POTUS Abroad, which I think is kind of cool. POTUS Abroad, got a POTUS Abroad hashtag. Uh, He tweeted that less than a half hour ago, and it's already got 3,000 retweets and almost 5,000 likes. So let's keep you up to date on everything the president is doing while he's overseas. I'm going to keep following the POTUS Abroad hashtag. A couple of interesting elements about the president's trip, especially on the arrival. President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump exited Air Force One together. And uh, a lot of people noticed immediately no headscarf. For Melania Trump and you see I think this is actually a great sign no headscarf the Trump family being the Trump family and when they descended the stairs and the king met with the president and shook his hand no bowing remember no bowing Uh, he also reached over and shook hands with the first lady I don't know if you realize just how huge that is. That is, as the president would say, huge. This this cannot be um, this cannot be noted enough in in my mind. That that the Saudi Arabian government and I realize Saudi Arabia finally finally realized that uh, that we. America are becoming a stronger energy power with our, our shale and our fracking and our development of, of gas and oil again. They're realizing that America is going to challenge them. And I think they also realize their future is not just the gooey dinosaur juice that's underneath their sand. So perhaps this, um, this king, even though he's not a young man, this king is a little bit smarter than some previous leaders, but there's, there's much to discuss, much to discuss. Um, I'm wondering if they hold a press event, if any of the press will, will attempt to squeeze in a question about this latest story that's popped up. You know what I'm talking about, the nut job comment. The nut job comment that the New York Times is reporting again. Another sources tell us the president called Jim Comey a nut job when he said he fired him. Well, I was actually scanning news this morning and saw uh, CNN attempting to try and make hay out of this, and one of their experts actually said. Well, you know, nutjob is a term President Trump uses all the time. It's it's like his go-to insult. And I thought, good for you, sir. Don't be upset initially. Don't just be uh, disturbed by the use of the word nutjob, recognizing that Donald Trump has a, a host of insults that he tosses around, and calling him a nutjob, while well, not the most uh, gracious or artful way of referencing. The FBI director, if he, in fact, did say it, because then again, we don't know. Because sources. Sources. We will we will continue with this. Uh, The good news, Comey will be uh, testifying. As we mentioned last week, Comey is going to testify. He wants an open hearing. Comey wants to get out there in front of everybody and speak his truth. And I want to hear it, frankly. I absolutely want to hear it. So uh, I cannot wait to hear what, what Jim Comey has to say. We will. I guess it's Wednesday. Wednesday that's coming up. Yeah. And this will be in the midst of this trip. I asked yesterday, uh, Joe Gomez from NBC News and I were talking on the phone. And he covers all this stuff. And I said, you've got the itinerary. The, the entire itinerary is hanging out there. Uh, when is President Trump going to be able to play a round of golf on this trip? And I thought, I thought surely somewhere, somewhere they would, uh, they would play golf or find a way to play golf somewhere with the G7, some of the leaders from the G7 or somewhere in Italy. But no, no, it looks like. The greatest chance to play golf is in Saudi Arabia, a place where all I think of is sand. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the president's going to be able to squeeze in a round of golf. You know, he does love his golf, uh, as did Obama. And a lot of people uh, get upset about the president playing golf. And the ones who get upset are the ones I would think would would be happier if the president wasn't in the Oval Office, or able to sign executive orders. You'd think they would be happier as I was when Obama played golf, because it meant he wasn't able to screw with the government or the Constitution. So all the Obama haters used to say, why is he playing so much golf? And I said, let him play golf. Let him go kite surfing. Let him do all that. And now the Trump haters, when they flip out over Trump playing golf, I say, calm down. Sit down and calm down. He's He's not doing what you hate right now. Anyway, we will, we will follow this. Uh, the, the $109 billion arms deal that we talked about since uh, early yesterday, because it, it kind of broke on MSNBC late Thursday night when Brian Williams, one of his guests, uh, told them that there was a $109 billion arms deal negotiated with Saudi Arabia. Now, the New York Times is reporting that Jared Kushner, Kushner, the son-in-law, the golden child, personally negotiated the deal. And uh, my question is, so what? So what? What if? Isn't he an advisor to the president? Isn't the son-in-law one of the people, like, like the daughter, advising the president? If that deal is a good deal, well, what's wrong with it? I know you're going to say, well, he's not it's not official. It, didn't, it, it smacks up. Well, let's find out if he has a financial interest. Before we all start stomping around and, and setting our hair on fire. Let's find out. Calm down, people. That's today's phrase. Calm down. That's the phrase that pays. Now, coming up on the program today, I mentioned we'll we'll give you updates. If there's anything happening with the president's trip overseas. There's a, a few more little nuggets out of the Anthony Wiener story that I need to share with you. There is um, there's a question about the Times Square car wreck. And I want to get into that, but I need some time. There is good news today. I want to share some good news today with you. Also, we have to point some fingers. I have to wag a finger more than once, actually. And, and we will get to that. Uh, there's a freedom update. A court ruling yesterday was uh, squashing uh, some more governmental overreach. And I think I'm, I'm mixed on it. Part of me likes the idea of, of the freedom being allowed to be free. And then there's a part of me that wonders if there's a reasonable level of government interference on this topic. And I'm being very vague for a reason but we'll discuss that. And um, how long has it been since I really had some fun with Chris Matthews and all the dumb things he said? Yeah, it's been too long, hasn't it? So let's have some fun with Chris Matthews. Let's uh, Let's take a look at the results of the vital question from yesterday. If you didn't answer it, you still have, I think, a couple more minutes left to do it. The question yesterday was, is it ever okay to text in a movie theater, during the feature film is it ever okay to text in a movie theater during a feature film and then we'll discuss the results of the survey and we will then look at today's vital question of the day mike opelka on pure opelka on a saturday on the blaze radio network you're listening
1: to pure opelka with mike opelka on the blaze radio network Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Looking over the pool feed from Riyadh. That's the, the clip feed from the president's trip. Because they don't, they don't send like a huge swarm of media, not a scrum Of media, But they send a crew that everybody gets pretty much the same feeds and they can pick. We're also seeing uh, footage from previous visits from previous presidents. And uh, Michelle Obama did not wear a headscarf, so that's a good thing. And uh, Melania Trump did not wear a headscarf, as I mentioned earlier. That's a good thing. But this is the royal treatment being given to the president. The red carpet was rolled out. They're going to actually carry the royal arrival ceremony soon on most of the networks i don't know if you care to watch it's probably going to be long and boring but if anything weird happens we'll tell you i i'm always amazed at how much equipment travels with the president and as it should we know that the beast goes there the the limousine that takes the president around it's pretty much a tank body over it and the the plane that follows Air Force One with all of the Secret Service agents and all of the additional security equipment is there. And I assume that there are other assets. There also is a team, a medical team, that travels with the president whenever he is outside of the country. And obviously, the, the reasons are, are very easy to understand, that God forbid anything were to happen to a president... While in another country, you want the best physicians in the world to work on him, which obviously are American-trained American doctors. I know this because I happen to have a brother who is a remarkable doctor. And he traveled with that medical team at one time. And sometimes when the president was bouncing around uh, Europe, they would never leave the plane. The team would sit, if it was just going to be a a few hours here or a few hours there, they would stay on the plane and just hang out and play cards or whatever. Whatever doctors do when they're not doctoring. But I just think this is uh, something I'd like to see the entire asset pool of what we send when a president goes away, especially for a trip this long. You know, he's he's on the road for a week and visiting a, a number of different countries, which which presents a number of different both security and just basic comfort options. Uh, I was reading about where the president will be staying in Israel. And the room that he's going to be staying in is reported to be a $5,700 a night suite. Yeah, okay. Probably one of the more expensive suites you'll have, but it's also bulletproof, bombproof, and apparently has its own air filtration system to protect it from poison gas. So would you ever, if you're ever making a restaurant or a reservation for your trip, you're on Trivago or whatever vacation site you're looking on and you're looking, all right, let's get, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to fly first class, but I can only afford coach. So put that in for my airfare. I'd, I'd like a mid-sized car. And uh, in hotel rooms. Yeah, can I get the one that's bomb-proof, bulletproof, and will prevent anyone from putting poison gas into my room? It's just amazing what's out there. And when you think about where that is, Israel, it kind of makes sense. There's probably a whole bunch of hotels that offer that suite. So President Trump staying in, in basically the ultimate panic room while he was in uh, Jerusalem. And again, where is Jeannie Mose from CNN when we want to see this stuff? I want to see how many vehicles travel with the president. I want to see how many agents go with the president, how many doctors. And then I want to see how many rooms it takes. Obviously, he gets the whole floor wherever he is. But how many other floors? It's it's got to be a daunting task to protect a president uh, in America, Now, now take him out of the country and that that task doubles, triples or even even quadruples. Now take him to the Middle East where there's a whole bunch of people who who have it on their to do list every day to spend two or three hours chanting death to America. So what do they have to do to prepare for every eventuality? It really must be just uh, an amazing test. And thank God we've never had to find out what kind of bad stuff could happen to an American president while visiting overseas. Thank God. And let's hope that continues. When we get back, uh, where do we go? Do we have some fun with the big actor who says it's okay to watch the Cosby Show? Or do we talk about freedom? I say freedom, let's talk freedom, next on Puro Pelka. Welcome back to Pure Pelka. Before we went away, I did mention that yesterday's vital question had a little more time left on it. The results are in right now. The question yesterday, and it does re- relate to freedom. Is it ever okay to text in a movie theater during the feature? 76% of you say no. 1% of you cannot make up your mind And 23% of you say, yes, it's fine, it's okay, it's great. Yes, yes, we should be allowed to be texting in a movie theater during the feature. And all I want to say is, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The light from your screen, boom, lights up. Everyone else is trying to enjoy the film. Now, here's what worries me. If there are 500 people in the movie theater where I'm watching the gigantic screen and the beautiful sounds and sights of guardians of the galaxy 2. If there's 500 people in that dark theater and the stats are, are correct here. That means there are going to be over a hundred of you close to 115 of you texting and thinking it's okay. And that's wrong. That's an infringement on my movie experience. So I have to disagree with you, 23%. And that's a pretty healthy chunk. More than one in five of you will actually be texting during the movie and thinking, oh, this is just fine. The rest of you can just get stuffed. I know, it's, it's not exactly a question that's going to save anybody's life. Well, but you know what? It might. You know how people get upset? Look how people get mad on airplanes and beat the crap out of each other. You know there's going to be a texting fight in the theater eventually. We used to see fights at the theaters when when I uh, lived in, in New York City and worked on the banks of the Hudson River right across in Jersey, in a little town called Jersey City, New Jersey. There was a, a mall with a movie theater, with a multiplex attached to the radio station. And we used to take breaks during the day and go down and watch a movie because... Kind of an easy thing to do. It's right next door. You never had to go outside in winter or summer, whatever. But it was a neighborhood that was, um, how do you say this without offending anybody? It was a lower income neighborhood. There were zero bookstores in the mall. There were five sneaker stores. So it wasn't like the brain trusts were shopping in this mall. And so at the movies, there tended to be a lot of yelling at the screen and talking. Look out. No, he didn't. All during the movies. And frequently people would get upset and just behave like idiots. So the talking in the movies has now become the texting in the movies. And I can never see a case where it would be okay. The first time your phone goes bloop and it says, hey, I have a problem. I need to speak. Take it outside. Don't ruin it for everybody else, which kind of should be rule number seven. Whatever you do, don't ruin it for everybody else. I know I've gotten off on a tangent here. And enough about my movie. One day we'll talk about the worst experiences in movies and in a movie theater. Talking and fighting is not the worst. Uh, Going to movies in New York City, you frequently felt like your feet had been glued to the floor because the floors were just a syrupy mess from years of coca-cola or whatever soft drink had been spilled on the floors. And then don't even get me started on the little creatures that would run across your feet during the screening. You wonder why I don't go to movies in New York or pretty much anywhere because it was just a little disturbing to be watching something on the screen and then here. And you know what it was. And then there was the time the lady changed a baby in the theater because she didn't want to miss a second of the film. Again, I will get distracted if I start talking about this. But today's vital question, today's vital question relates to uh, the last event that happened in New Orleans yesterday where the final Confederate statue was removed And uh, this is part of a a series of removals of monuments and or statues that saluted the the Confederate side of of the Civil War in this country. And in terms of free speech, you know, it was certainly a a horrible time in America. The Confederate uh, the Confederate states that were splitting from the Union and arguing on behalf of slavery. Never a good thing. And yet there are monuments that that go all the way across the South, and we've had the debates over the Confederate flag. But I want to know what, what you think about this, the removal of the Confederate monuments and statues. What do you think about this? Is it the right thing to do? Is it wrong? Is it okay as long as we display it in a museum? Or is it something that you can't decide? Where do you stand on the removal of Confederate monuments and Confederate statues? Right thing to do? Wrong thing to do? Okay, as long as we put it in a museum and make sure that we never forget. Or you can't decide. Because I'm kind of, I lean towards the, you know what? It's a very offensive time. It was a time that, that uh, you know, a great portion of our nation was treated horribly as property. And so we should never deny that that existed, but I don't know if if the placing of it in public is an endorsement of it, or is it making sure that history never repeats itself. So where do you stand on this? Do you believe the Confederate monuments should be left where they are? Or do you believe they should be taken down, put in a museum? Or do you think uh, that just overall removal and, and maybe, we should, maybe we should become like the, like the Taliban? Remember when they started blowing up old statues and old antiquities because it conflicted with their beliefs? I was offended by that, too. So uh, this vote will be up for 24 hours. You can, you can post your, your response to it. There's also the subject of freedom that I told you I wanted to discuss. The Federal Appeals Court Friday struck down a rule that was requiring owners of recreational drones and other model aircraft to register those devices with the FAA. And I don't know if you noticed this, but in 2015, the FAA put out a rule that said, you know, we've got too many of these drones, too many of these drones out there. We need to know who's owning these drones. You have to, you have to register with the FAA. And that year, when a drone started becoming a gigantic thing uh, for Christmas and for the, the holiday gift-giving season, because Christmas offends some people, but when Christmas was a drone Christmas for some people. And some of the drones became very sophisticated. I have a friend whose drone probably costs more than a lot of our cars costs. And he can fly that thing from his iPhone and direct it using waypoints and have it bring back live images or send live images and collect images that he can download later. The drones... The drones are a reality. They're out there. And yet the, the panel of judges on the Court of Appeals in the D.C. Circuit ruled that the federal law prohibits the FAA from issuing any rules, any rules or regulations covering model aircraft, which is where the drones fit in. They said the rule, the FAA argued, the rule is part of its mission to improve aviation safety. And the panel of three judges said, that's up to Congress to change the law. So I imagine we're going to try and see a debate about reasonable, reasonable use of, of the law when it comes to drones. I think it's fun. The drones are a whole bunch of fun. There are even, uh, I saw a drone racing show on ESPN the other day. And while I didn't stick around because it, it just looked like a video game show. But this, this rule obviously has some good intention behind it. They're obviously trying to make sure that the planes, which you and I fly on, are safe. And I like that idea. But we have to find a way to allow the recreational drone to still be used. At the same time, you have to find a way to make sure the commercial drones that Amazon are, is going to be employing on a massive basis for delivery that those don't interfere with commercial air traffic. It's, it's uh, again, as, as Dr. Wendy Patrick frequently says on this show when she visits on Monday, technology often is ahead of the law. And in this case, drone technology just went exponentially quickly and grew faster than anyone thought. And so now the law is rushing to catch up. But right now, you don't need to register your drone. I wonder what happens to all the files of the people who did register drones with the FAA. If you got a drone from 2015 to 2017 and you filled out the forms inside and or the retailer sent your information to the government, I wonder what happens to all that information. Speaking of freedom, just wondering. More on this topic as it becomes available I'm stepping away. When we get back, I promised you some Chris Matthews fun. I think, I think we'll get into the Chris Matthews fun next. But uh, don't forget, the vital question is up. And some of you have already jumped in on answering the vital question about the Confederate monuments. Uh, specifically saying good morning to our Rob Borowski. The Rob Borowski on Twitter says uh, it's wrong. You can't erase history unless you pull down all Union monum- monuments and statues as well people will also have to drop all slavery talk. Well, I think, you know, that's an extreme, but I know you exaggerate to clarify your argument. Anyone has an opinion on this? The phones are open, 888 900 This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're
1: with Mike Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: A lot going on this morning. It's a Saturday. I hope your weekend is going to be a great one. I have a history lesson for you coming up. You know how this show loves history. There is a uh, a special moment in in American history that is honored today. And I'm a, a guy who loves innovation and entrepreneurship. I think we need to salute it. And try and inspire more of it. So I, I'm going to uh, give you a little bit of the old history lesson that we used to do on the weekend show when this first started years ago. So many of you have sent me uh, your favorite great moments in history too. So I'm I'm really pleased we'll be able to have a, a little bit of special history. And it's uh, it's a history that that had a tremendous effect on this country. It's. It's something that, well, I'll I'll share it with you later. We are monitoring all the news out of the president's trip. So far, it's been a lot of handshaking, red carpet walking. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. And nothing real uh, in terms of news event is going to happen until mm, maybe this evening. I know there's a state dinner happening tonight, which will be around 2 o'clock our time on the East Coast. Uh, it's, it's almost 2 p.m. in Riyadh as we speak, and they're just getting to the official, official greetings. And so, uh, really, nothing, nothing major. The president has tweeted about his arrival and that he expects great things, but not much going on. So, we'll see. And I think, I think this trip is going to do wonders for trying to get the focus back on the Trump agenda as so many people have advised the president, get back to what you promised that you were going to do. Now, what about Chris Matthews? I promised you funny from Chris Matthews. Uh, there's a lot of it. So I'm going to give you uh, a little bit right now. Matthews is obsessed with trying to paint Trump as someone who, who believes that we should have a royal family uh, and, and that, that, that this is all just a, a power grab. Here was Matthews in a montage of, of all the times he mentioned the Romanovs.
1: Why do I think of the Romanovs? There's there's, there's an aspect there. Oh. <laughs> This is a strange administration. Family means a lot with Trump. It's almost like the Romanovs. I I keep referring to the Romanovs because they do everything as a family. It's like a king at court. Up next, with his presidency on the rocks, Trump is turning to his family again. They're the Romanovs. Son-in-law, it is like the Romanovs. He is distributing the, the... He is. He's distributing the wealth among his family members. Uh, power. You looked at the campaign; it's always the kids. So that it's show the Romanovs. The frustration, but it's the every Romanovs. Campaign, it's the royal Russian family. Every campaign. Yeah. Well, we're going to have either a hunt in the next three years. Or we're going to have the Romanovs. Thank you so much, Chris. W- daughter. I've said the Romanovs because there's something about the yeah. president who presumes that this is a royal family taking its place at the table of power. It is un-American. You ever seen the Romanovs? The last Russian family. They're all over the place. They got Russian every royal family because they were a family that ruled Russia. It was as simple as that. Sort of, do you they, think this part of the country right? to have sort of a Romanov royal family running the place? I was just fast by the Romanovs. Last word Joan, do you like the Romanovs? Do you like that image? I'm not talking about what happened to them ultimately. No, no, I'm no. talking about the power they had over their country because of their birth. Right. I think it fits Kushner House oh, is about three or four. Where the, Romanovs. Away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boy, the overlay it continues here. The Romanovs. The next kind yeah.
2: of thing. Does he keep bringing up the Romanovs because they ended badly in execution? Seems kind of like a weird obsession, doesn't it? Oh, there's more. Come on back.
1: Pure Opelka.
2: With Mike Opelka.
1: On the Blaze Radio Network.